Warriors, Warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. everybody welcome to another episode of the rj ringside podcast it's your host here heidi fang and i'm joined with our mma writer adam hill and our boxing writer sam gordon and we are brought to you by doordash and bet online we have another great weekend of fights lined up in abu dhabi from the ufc and we also have to recap some of these crazy fights that happened last week with uh, boxing zapeta baranchik and a potential fight of the year so sam actually let's just rewind let's put this on rewind and talk about that fight there were a ton of knockdowns what did you make of this one here it was zapeta versus baranchik yeah yeah how do you i mean knockdown after knockdown after knockdown after knockdown both fighters coming forward both fighters being aggressive um not really you know much of that feeling out kind of thing where we see so many times in high profile fights and uh this is the kind of fight that every fight fan always wants, right? Where, where you have nonstop action back and forth results in a, knock, uh, a knockout. And, and this was certainly a brutal knockout, um, very gruesome. Uh, heck of a victory by Zapata. Um, Baranchek ends up going to the hospital, but he is out. He was discharged uh, shortly after, and he is okay. Uh, but definitely, definitely a fight of the year um, so far. I mean, there was it, – it, it's just kind of what you want as a boxing fan. No, there's no tentativeness, no hesitance. No hesitation. Both fighters just fi- firing kill shots and um, really, uh, you know, stole the show, stole the thunder ahead of Lomachenko Lopez, which is coming up here next week. So uh, a lot of momentum in the sport right now, uh, thanks to those two fighters, thanks to those two warriors, gladiators. And and Heidi, I think a fight like this puts it into perspective. Um, you saw some reactions, Terrence Crawford, among others, just how serious what, what these fighters are risking by going in the ring, there, there is a chance that something like this happens where, the, where you, these knockouts where your legs are all curled up and you're totally out of it. I mean, these we've seen fighters die in the ring and they are risking their lives for this sport. And, and as great of a fight as it was, I think it doubled as a reinforcement. The perils, the dangers of boxing, the courage, the braveries these fighters have, uh, the, the bravery rather, that these fighters have by getting in the ring. But uh, definitely, definitely a fun fight before uh, a couple big ones here later this month. And Adam hitting the rewind on the MMA bubble up in Abu Dhabi. Holly Holm, speaking of courage and bravery, went out there after uh, everything that she's been through with her father and not having him there in the corner this time uh, up there in Abu Dhabi as she faced Arenia Danya and put on a really a clinic, just a wonderful performance by Holly Holm. Uh, what can you say to her resurgence here? Yeah, I mean, it's as good as she's looked. And and we've talked about, you know, Holly Holm since that Ronda Rousey knockout has been so up and down. And and we've seen some good performances from her, some bad. But even the good, like, weren't anything that were going to blow you away. And I think it was one of those things, uh, oftentimes you see it, uh, where somebody kind of has this moment. And, and they have a hard time following up uh, on that moment. And I think we've seen that a little bit out of Holly Holm. And as you talked about, it's not just in the cage. It's out of the cage. She's, she's dealt with a lot of different things. Uh, but now, you know, all of a sudden, she looked like a very, very complete fighter. I mean, she has before, but she put everything together uh, in this fight against Aldana, and all of a sudden, Holly Holm looks again like she could be, you know, a factor. 
uh, in whichever uh, you know which, whichever path she chooses to go. Uh, but in that bantamweight division where she's been the champion before, uh, she could definitely be a factor. Now I know Amanda Nunez is kind of the ceiling for her, but uh, other than that, like Holly Holm is a dangerous fighter, and, and we saw that. And and I I didn't expect I didn't I wasn't shocked that she won. Uh, I think that you know she's more than capable of winning fights. It was just the performance that she put on was so impressive, and I think that's what you take away from this fight. And it's her first two-fight winning streak since the Rousey fight. I mean, she was undefeated going into the Rousey fight. She beat Rousey and then lost three, won one, lost one, won one, lost one. And all of a sudden, she's won two in a row. And, and you know, I, I think it's a, a good spot for her, and, and especially, as you mentioned, uh, with everything that she's gone through outside the cage lately, um, really impressive for her to put that aside and just put on a good show. Yeah, and uh, Holly Holm, we'll have to see who's next for her. If you had to pick an opponent right now, Adam, I mean, like you were alluding to, Amanda Nunez is there, but she's taking time off or retired. Not exactly sure what her plan is right now. They've had a young baby, her and her partner, uh, Nina Ansaroff, so she wants to be a mother right now, step away from the fight game. So if you're Holly Holm and you're not waiting on what happens with Nunez or if you're even ready for that step, who do you think could be next for her in this division? Yeah, I mean that that's a tough choice. I mean, she's fought so many uh, of the other fighters that are up uh in that realm. Uh so I don't necessarily know uh what she would want to do next or who she thinks uh, would be a good fight because she's right there. You know, if you look at the official rankings, you know, Jermaine Durandame is right there uh with Holly Holm and you know, Aspen Ladd is up near the top of the rankings as well. Uh you know, I, I know that there's there's going to be some options for her. Uh, and who she wants to take on. But, again, she's fought so many of these. Like Raquel Pennington's up there near the top. She's the one that's just ahead of uh, Aldana. But I don't know that anybody wants to see that fight again. No, so, I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I think, you know, there's there's options for Holly. And it's it's a very weird time in the in the women's division, as you mentioned. Like Amanda Nunez holding uh, the upper levels of the women's divisions, I should say, with Amanda Nunez holding both those titles at 35 and 45 and then having beaten almost everyone near the top of the rankings, and Holly Holmes fought almost everybody. So uh, they're going to have to do some things to, to shake some, some things up a little bit, I think. It's shaking things up. Right now, uh, there's been a fight moved here to Jerry World in Boxing Land, and that'll be because uh, they're trying to get some fans. Uh, while MMA is still practicing this bubble up in Abu Dhabi, boxing is going to start letting them in, Sam. The yeah, fans yeah. are coming back. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, Errol Spence, um, Danny Garcia is the latest fight, Heidi, to be moved to a venue um, on a different date to accommodate fans. This fight was originally scheduled for November, now in December, um, as you mentioned, that first week of December, and we'll have fans. And this is a trend we're starting to see, right? We talked last week on the pod about Javante Davis and Leo Santa Cruz, that fight being moved uh, to accommodate fans at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. And even here uh, next week, um, I mentioned Lomachenko Lopez, Bob Arum and Top Rank are going to be letting 250 spectators into the bubble. Uh, first responders, those who helped folks around town with the coronavirus, get through the coronavirus, so, you know, doctors, nurses, no tickets, no tickets on sale. This is, you, you can't go out there and buy your way into this fight. Um, only select people are going to be able to go. But it's a, it's a trend that we're starting to see that. Um, now that there has been an adjustment period these last eight months, as, as difficult as, it, as it's been, as arduous as it's been, seven, eight months, they're, they're trying to figure out ways to get around this. And uh, Terrence Crawford and Kel Brook are going to be fighting November 14th, and that is a fight that Bob Arum is hoping to get fans at, at as well, whether that's here in Las Vegas 
with Lomachenko Lopez serving as kind of a test run, a trial and error type thing. Can we have more fans, et cetera, et cetera, whether that's in Crawford's hometown of Omaha, Nebraska, or whether that's, you know, maybe at an Allegiant Stadium. I don't know. I'm not – that's just some speculation. We know that Wilder Fury may be there in December or it's going to be there. Uh, depending on the, w- w- uh, the crowd size, we're going to figure that out. But that's where that fight is supposed to be. And uh, th- it's – the fact that, that fans are, are being eased in um, – you know, I, I expect some trial and error. I expect some – I don't think it's going to be a flawless, seamless process just because sports haven't had fans uh, outside of the NFL in such a long time, and, and boxing's unique in that way that it, it's dependent on fans. So we'll see, but but we're getting there. We are getting there. And uh, speaking speaking about that Crawford fight, um, you know, he takes care of business. If Errol Spence takes care of business, I'm hoping that that sets up that mega fight, that super fight that we've been wanting in that welterweight division for two, three, four years now. Uh, I don't know how much longer we're going to have to wait. Hopefully this sets that up because Crawford is 33. That, not, not to say that he's not in his prime. He still is, but that, that clock is ticking, and we want to see these guys when they're at their apex, right, as opposed to uh, Mayweather, Pacquiao, sure. when both guys were you know, over the hill for all intents and purposes. All right, right there. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the latest beefs happening on Twitter between some fighters as well as getting into this fight October 17th, Loma Lopez. Stay tuned right here on the RJ Ringside Podcast. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Welcome back to the RJ Ringside Podcast. It's Heidi Fang, Sam Gordon, and Adam Hill. There's been a lot of beefs happening around Twitter, and most <laughs> entertaining right now for me is the one happening between Israel Adesanya and John Jones in a fight that is just, I think, brewing up to a point where you have to make it at this point. John Jones says he's uh, saving himself for heavyweights. Adesanya is all about making this fight for himself to face one of the greatest of all time. What is going on, Adam? Do we, do we have any word on if this fight is even in talks of being made? Or does the UFC want this to be made? Will this happen? What are we doing with this fight? I mean, I, I didn't think I needed it before, but I kind of feel like I do now. Like, there, there's just so much going back and forth between them. And uh, it's very weird because John keeps accusing uh, Izzy of not being able to be a good trash talker. And as I watch them go back and forth, like, every day, I feel like Israel is winning this battle. Like I feel like he's better at it than than John is, and John has never been great at trash talking. He's just a great fighter who, who his trash talk is more by beating people and just like dominating people. And that's that's how he talks. He's not great at at you know talking trash, but he's he's trying. He's trying to get involved. I think one of the, like 
he's doing some weird things though uh with this trash talk i mean he i think he referenced something and i, I think you laughed about this when you saw it but it's very weird that he said like i've i've done more cocaine than you have wins in the kickboxing or mma like a lot of weird things that he's talking about which is kind of taking shots at himself and israel at the same time uh it's bizarre that one was actually a troll account so oh, my bad it was a johnny with the it. with three ends it you was, yeah. I, I had to I had to do my research after because I initially laughed at it because Izzy retweeted it, and I thought, "Oh, look, why would John Jones say that?" And then <laughs> it's actually so, it was a burner account. So the reason I thought it was real, and too, I, not and a I, I didn't Fake. say it, it was just you read it to me. But the reason I thought it was real was because he did reference um, something about you know a long time ago uh, hiding out from the Nevada Athletic Commission inspectors, and. It's it's a weird thing to do because this is a long-running rumor in the MMA world that the Nevada Athletic Commission sent testers down to the gym in Albuquerque to test John Jones, and he hid underneath the cage at Jackson's MMA and didn't come out when the testers were there. That's a long, long rumor. Now, John tweeted about it saying, like, yeah, I did it because Israel referenced that, and John said, yeah, I did it because I had just smoked a joint and I didn't want them testing for marijuana, which makes no sense. Because they don't test for marijuana out of competition. So that's clearly not what he was hiding from. Or he just didn't know the rules, which I guess is somewhat possible. Uh, but here's the other thing. There's the really apparently in the rules a 10-year statute of limitations, oh. which is not oh. up yet. So essentially he's admitting hiding from testers and under the policy could be punished for doing so. So some of this trash talk could eventually get John Jones in trouble. Now, do I think they're going to follow up on that? Probably not, but it's it's a possibility that he could have just tattled on himself. Well, when Vanderlei Silva dodged a test, and he went back to Brazil when they were trying to track him down, and I remember they went to his gym, they went to, his, and there's like a video of him bolting. He ran. Yeah, the and gym. and and then he got suspended for three years. Well, they tried to suspend him for yeah. life, and the courts said that they couldn't yeah. do that. So, yeah, they came down hard on him for avoiding the test, as they should. A When you run from a test, it should be considered the worst possible violation that you could that you could have. It's worse than testing positive because it could be anything in your system. So, yeah, I think you should have the book thrown at you if you try to do something like that. And John Jones essentially just admitted that he did it. So I guess you can come out and say he was just doing it for spectacle or he's doing it for the show, whatever. He admitted to it. So... Uh, that could be a problem for John Jones. What if he just deletes the tweet? We know that John has done that in the past. And maybe it's possible something he looks into. But um, it's weird on the flip side when you look at another potential matchup that could be happening in uh, MMA with Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, that these two have been rather civil to each other. Uh, Conor even saying that he would donate money from his fight purse to Dustin Poirier's foundation. Uh, this is a rematch I think that now people want to see as these two reach more of their prime in, in fighting. And um, it looks like there even is a date, Adam, and um, Conor's coach, Kavanaugh, put up a poster from the Karate Kid tournament. You might know the uh, exact name of the tournament the all valley tournament and he says the date is here and on that calendar uh, if you look at the one that is in cobra kai it says december 19th on it is that a future date that is actually going to happen for this potential matchup i don't know i mean i feel like they're close that is 
I mean, if they do that over there and, and if they do it on their own, which I don't think they're going to be able to do with their contracts, uh, there is a UFC card that night. Uh, it is in Vegas. It's supposed to be a fight night. I guess they could change it. Uh, I, I don't I don't know the feasibility. I know talking to Dana White at the beginning of the pandemic, he said it just doesn't make any financial sense to have Connor fight when there's no fans. Um, I know Connor has kind of put out the text messages saying, I'm asking to fight. I w- I've wanted three fights this year. I don't care about the no fans. I just want to get out there. But when you have a contract like he has and get the amount of money he does, it's kind of tough for the UFC to to put on fights when there's no fans there to make a gate off of. Uh, so it becomes very tricky. Now, I know as you've referenced, Connor and Dustin Poirier want to put this on themselves. They really can't do that. Uh, there's a lot There's a lot of moving pieces here with this. I know Connor wants to fight. Another UFC wants him to fight. But they've got to figure out where to have fans. I know if they try to go to Florida, uh, Florida law now says you can have as many fans as you want. And the UFC went there at the beginning of the pandemic to Jacksonville because the laws were very favorable and you could do whatever you wanted there. Uh, now you can kind of do that again. So if they want to go do fans, um, Dana White said the one thing that they need is to have 100% capacity. Well, Florida now has 100% capacity. Florida's acted throughout this all summer that the coronavirus just doesn't Reason. exist. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it certainly yeah. feels like. Yeah, they're uh, they're gambling, and you know, they're, they'll see how it how it pays off. But yeah, they they are essentially operating as if there's nothing going on in Florida. One of the things they have said is, "Hey, the Super Bowl is in Florida. We want full capacity at the Super Bowl." Now, I don't know if the NFL is ever going to allow that, but basically, Florida is just all you know, all hands on deck. It's uh, it's full steam ahead for Florida. So, could the UFC decide, "Hey, we're going to go to Florida"? They already have a relationship. With the commission there, with the state, with the governor, everybody else. So maybe that happens, and maybe they do put on a show and, and go to Florida and have like the the return to full capacity crowds be the UFC. That would make some sense, I guess. But I think there's a long way to go before they actually book this. I feel like the 250 being allowed into Loma and Lopez's fight is a lot more reasonable. Sure, so, sure yeah, that's is. happening October yeah. 17th, Sam. Um, do you want to give us like a quick preview of this fight? Should we should we break it down now before the next RJ ringside? Yeah, we'll touch on it a little bit, and then we can revisit more in depth after after next week when when the promotion is really, really, really uh, in full effect. Um, I mean, this is for for Lomachenko at, at 32, uh, still in his prime. This is a legacy fight for him against one of the top up and comers in boxing, uh, somebody that's undefeated, somebody that has knockout power in both hands, that is skilled, that is technical, that is one of the um, you know future stars of the sport and really current stars in order for him to get this fight. And for Lopez. This is a, you know, I'm here. I'm the man now in, in the lightweight division at 135 pounds. You, you, you can't um, be the man unless you beat the man. And Lomachenko has been the man for a long time. And it's a credit, um, it's a credit to Lopez. He was asked, there was a press conference. These guys both had press conferences, Zoom conferences earlier um, this week. And Lopez was asked about, you know, that, oh, well, you're, you're so young in your career. You're ready to let that O go. And he, he understands history. He's a historian of the sport and understands, look, some of the greatest fighters ever have, have losses, but they, they, I want to fight the best. And you don't see that very often anymore with, with the way that uh, Floyd Mayweather kind of branded being undefeated and, and used that, for, to, to his credit, used that to, to become uh, Money Mayweather and, and to become uh, more than a fighter, to become the businessman that he is now. And, and Lopez is, 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 a, is a true boxer at heart and wa- just wants to fight the best, and he gets credit for that, and Lomachenko does too. I mean, he can, he's at the stage of his career where he can pretty much pick his opponents. You can't really question what, he do- what he's done with his Olympic gold medals, with his amateur pedigree, and with his professional pedigree. So there's a lot at stake here, and uh, it's on ESPN. There is not pay-per-view. Under normal circumstances, 
I believe this would be a pay-per-view, vi- uh, pay-per-view fight, and I believe it would, it would do numbers. But Bob Arum, top rank, they understand the, the financial restrictions of the pandemic, and they understand, look, let's give this fight, let's give this fight to the fans for free. Um, some of their other cards on ESPN have struggled this year, uh, ratings-wise. I don't think that will be the case. This is huge. Uh, in my estimation, after Fury Wilder, the biggest, most consequential fight of the year, and that could really determine uh, the trajectory of both these guys' careers going forward. How do we remember Lomachenko? Do we remember him as, you know, he had this three-, four-year run where he was really, really good and awesome but didn't necessarily have the bevy of marquee victories? Or d- does this cement him as one of, an, you know, an all-time great? As for Lopez... Uh, does this put him on the pathway to maybe win titles in a bunch of different divisions? He's talked about being the next Manny Pacquiao. If he wins, might we see him at 140? Might we see him at 147? He oozes potential. He's only 23, so really exciting matchup. We will have more on that next week. I will be in the bubble for the fight. Um, I cannot wait to be ringside again. It is the RJ Ringside Podcast, (laughs) and I have not been ringside for anything since February, so... Finally, uh, get back to be out there, and I'm really excited. Yeah, I've been covering most of the MMA and UFC stuff from a tent yeah. when we get to yeah. go. So uh, it would be nice sometime to get back uh, out there as well. But, Adam, this week we have Maurice versus Sanhagen, the main event, October 10th, Flash Forum, Abu Dhabi. Um, this one's kind of interesting to me when you look at it as styles because Corey Sanhagen, he's a he's a guy that switches his stances up. Maurice, we know, has a lot of power. He's an excellent and very precise striker. Uh, orthodox stance. Um, what do you make of this one with these two guys and what it means for the bantamweight division? Pivotal fight in that division, which is a kind of a, you know, a weird, you know, up in the grab, uh, up for grabs type of division with nobody really taking control and uh, seizing that opportunity after Cejudo, I guess, retired. I still don't think he's retired, but we'll see what he does. And Sanhagen was so on the rise, was on such a run. Uh, before that Aljamain Sterling fight. And I think he'll look back on that fight and not really – of course, it's a loss. He got dominated. He lost early on. But it happened so quick. Uh, you know, 90 seconds into the fight, he gets uh, he gets beat. And I think it's one you look back on and say you never really had a chance to showcase yourself uh, in the biggest fight of your career, never uh, got to take that step forward that you wanted to take. And uh, I, know, I know he'll regret the result, but I don't think it's one that's going to set him back too far. I think he can jump right back in to where he left off. But, of course, he goes against Marlon Moraes, who is – such a such a solid fighter. He's just so tough to beat because he does a little bit of everything well. Uh, you know, had three straight bonuses uh, going into that title fight where he lost to Cejudo, uh, and then he then he gets that win over Jose Aldo that a lot of people disputed. They didn't think uh, that it was a, a a clear cut win. Didn't even think it was a win at all uh, with that split decision. But he did get the win over Jose Aldo, who looked pretty good. And of course, Aldo being Longtime champ at 145, who is down at 135 there. So, um, Reyes, even though he's coming off a win, I think people treated it like he was coming off a loss. Uh, so, a tough spot for him. But I, I think Sanhagen is a really tough matchup, and uh, Sanhagen should be really motivated after the way that last fight went down against Sterling, which was such a big opportunity for him. Absolutely. And the co-main event, no slouches either. Makwana Mirkwani and Edson Barboza fighting at featherweight. Uh, this one should be just fireworks as well. You can tune in to all of this starting at 5 p.m. Pacific for the main card from Abu Dhabi uh, with this UFC bout. Marlon Moraes, Corey Sanhagen as the headliner. So that'll do it for us here on the RJ Ringside Podcast today. You can keep up with all of us on Twitter at BySamGordon, I'm at Heidi Fang and at Adam Hill LVRJ and we will be back with you guys next week.
the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.